Good afternoon. You're listening to KTOO. I'm Yvonne Cremery. Capital Transit is resuming weekday service to the airport, University of Alaska Southeast, and social service providers on Teal Street. The city suspended bus routes 5 and 6 in December of 2022 because of a driver shortage. They resume service today. Capital Transit Superintendent Rich Ross says driver recruitment picked up over the summer when the city switched to an online application system. Last winter, they were short eight or nine drivers. Since then, they've hired five. They also hired another maintenance worker. Ross said more than a quarter of the fleet's 18 buses were out of commission this summer. With onboarding one more maintenance personnel this early this summer, we whittled that down to now it's we're seeing about two to three buses broken down out of the 18 per day. Along with resumed service on routes 15 and 6, routes 1 and 2 are starting earlier in the morning. Route 1 serves downtown and Douglas. The first bus on that route will leave at 6.28 a.m. from the Treadwell Arena. Route 4 serves the Hall Valley. Ross says the new hours on Route 4 will allow people to get from the valley to Bartlett Regional Hospital by 7 a.m. Updated schedules are available on Capital Transit's website. The annual Alaska Federation of Natives Convention Arts Market took place in Anchorage last week. More than 200 Indigenous artists gathered at the Denina Center downtown to sell their work. And as KTOO's Adeline Baxter reports, the market was bigger than ever. Hundreds of people crowd the main exhibition hall for the first day of the Alaska Federation of Natives Arts Market. Trinity Villalobos came from Fairbanks. She and Anchorage resident Tierra Davis are busy browsing. Villalobos is admiring a pair of beaded earrings at one of the tables. I know there was one that was like black with pumpkins for Halloween, and I was a sucker for that, so I'm probably going to go back and buy that one. Meanwhile, Davis has her eye on an intricately beaded hummingbird hair clip. So I'm shopping for things for my hair, but I want something that like tells a story that's really going to draw someone in from the back. But I have locks, so I have a lot of hair, so everything isn't going to flow. Um, but yeah, this one guy had pieces that just tell beautiful stories. So I'm excited to buy more than I budgeted for. Sitting in the middle of it all is George Bennett Sr., a clinket artist from Sitka. His Bentwood boxes, decorated in formline designs, are already halfway sold out. I had about uh, six, eight people converge on my table before I was even ready to price them. So about eight or nine boxes went out within a half hour. Bennett is one of more than 200 indigenous artisans from around the state and the lower 48, here to sell carvings, cusbooks, furs, and all manner of jewelry. Bennett has been making cedar boxes for about 25 years. He catches up with friends from around the state in between customers. This is kind of like uh, uh, like the melting pot where it's like you're set on a corner and you watch it all, your friends go by and, and you see him and you waved. Jack Bonnie from Visit Anchorage helped organize this year's market. He says every region of the state is represented. It's a microcosm of all of Alaska in Anchorage in one or two rooms for a couple of days. Bonnie said the market brings thousands of people to AFN every year. Upstairs, convention delegates hear from national and state leaders about critical Alaska Native issues. But the market is an entry point for the general public. The arts market is one of the big draws for folks who may not otherwise know what AFN is about, or it might be their first visit uh, that leads to a broader conversation about what AFN does in the community. For the first time this year, the market spilled over into an additional room upstairs. 
Vina Brown set up her table there. She's originally from British Columbia and traveled from Lumi, Washington to the market. I really didn't know what to expect, but it's quite impressive so far. I mean, there's so many people, and it's really cool to see just different types of Indigenous people. Her jewelry business is called Copper Canoe Woman and features traditional designs like Formline with a high fashion flair. Just like our rights aren't frozen in time, our art isn't frozen in time, so we're allowed to adapt and pivot and, and elevate that. So I think, you know, we're still making art, and we're just like our ancestors, we use what we have available to us. Back in the main hall, Bennett says that whether he sells all his boxes or not, seeing people enjoy them is enough. It's a good way to connect and share each other's culture through this kind of work. Oh, it's beautiful. In Anchorage, I'm Adeline Baxter. The large number of unfilled jobs in Alaska is not just about the pandemic, the great resignation, or the disenchantment of Gen Z with traditional work roles. New data from the Alaska Department of Labor suggests that it's also about demographics, and that's not going to turn around anytime soon. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Finding workers in Alaska these days is tough. That's because there are roughly two jobs open for everyone looking for work. This is 180 degrees from the historic job market in the early 2000s, where there were just over two job seekers for every available job. It all came to a head over the last couple of years, and there was a constant refrain, the great resignation. Where is everybody? Job openings everywhere are left unfilled. Businesses are desperate for workers. The great resignation, America's... Many analysts attributed the great resignation to a reset of sorts, a change in the attitudes toward work. So many people lost jobs during the pandemic, they just weren't ready to go back to their old, unfulfilling work, we were told. But something had started to change even before the pandemic, and it's described in the latest issue of the Alaska Department of Labor's Economic Trends. All across the country, job openings had begun to rise and labor shortages were occurring because baby boomers were aging out of the workforce. Demographers had seen it coming for a long time. That it happened in the middle of the first global pandemic in a century was coincidence. State labor economist Nan Robinson authored the October issue of Trends. He writes, The pandemic accelerated the imbalance by prompting many older workers to retire earlier than they otherwise would have. The three examples that come to mind to me most obviously would be uh, nurses, teachers, and flight attendants. I think how, how miserable some of that work became during COVID. And Robinson also makes another critical point. Although some economic trends are leveling out in the aftermath of the pandemic, this demographic trend likely won't. Employers are going to have to work hard to, to, to hire and retain until I think the baby boomers are kind of uh, all the way aged out and we, we find some new stability. And that might mean some companies figuring out how to do the same business they used to do with fewer people. So now the question is, once an employer has found workers, how do you keep them? The October issue of Trends also looks at job turnover, and the data there are also telling. For example, although wages matter in retaining employees, wages aren't everything. Some occupations with high compensation, like cell tower installers or highway maintenance workers, show exceptionally high rates of turnover, while other lower-paid occupations like bicycle mechanics and bartenders tend to hold on to workers. 
The data don't account for tips, which likely throw bartenders into a higher earning tier than bike mechanics. But there is overlap in less quantifiable ways, like creativity and social interaction, and a dedication to a craft or purpose. And what sends workers away from an employer? Sometimes it's a desire to change jobs or do the same job for someone else at higher pay. Alaska doesn't have hard data in this area, but Robinson cites a national study conducted by the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, which concluded that a toxic work culture was three times more likely to contribute to attrition than compensation. He writes, some of the attributes of a toxic culture include disrespectful treatment and unethical behavior. It begs the question what, what uh, workplace toxicity means. But every time I've brought that up, I, I was doing a presentation in Anchorage last week, and, and I mentioned that. And he, he, I, I swear a tenth of the people in the audience's heads were vigorously nodding. All of these factors are probably in play in the two occupations in Alaska with the highest and lowest rates of turnover. At the top of the list, with an annual turnover rate of 84%, are fast food cooks who earn an average of $16 an hour, and at the bottom, with a turnover rate of just 8% and an hourly wage of about $50 an hour, are architects. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Alaska's chief medical officer, Ann Zink, is urging people to get the flu vaccine this month to protect themselves against an early season. Early flu is looking rough in Alaska. And what we've seen is a real uptake in the last couple weeks for influenza. She says the department often recommends people get the flu vaccine before Halloween. She says it's hard to predict what flu season will look like this year, but she's concerned. She says last year there was an early flu season, and later there were high numbers of cases of RSV, flu, and COVID. But she says there are more immunizations than ever available for respiratory illnesses. This year is the first year an immunization for RSV is available for babies 0 to 8 months. This is KTOO.